It's Tuesday morning, December 6, 2022. I'm David Feldman, and this is The Mop Up. 40,000 residents of Moore County, North Carolina, have been left in the dark over the weekend and today after a power station was damaged by gunshots. That's how bad things are getting here in the United States. The gun nuts have run out of people to shoot. Now they have to start using inanimate objects like power stations as targets. Iran has abolished its morality police. Maybe America should give that a try. The world is in mourning this week after it was announced beloved TikTok star Noodles the Pug passed away at 14. I'm not quite sure what makes me sadder, that Noodles is dead or that he was way more popular than I'll ever be. I'll let you people figure out what, what makes me sadder. The 2020 Iowa caucuses were a disaster, and not just because Pete Buttigieg got 14 delegates and Bernie won 12. Tallying the results was a mess. It took three days to count all the votes because the Iowa Democratic Party used an app developed by a Hillary Clinton staffer, and it kept crashing. And I remember at the time there was talk of punishing the Iowa Democratic Party for all those screw-ups. Now it looks like Iowa, which for the past 50 years was the first state to award delegates, is no longer going to be first. Keeping his promise to South Carolina Congressman James Clyburn, President Biden has convinced the Democratic Party Rules Committee to vote in favor of making South Carolina the first primary in the 2024 presidential nominating process, jumping ahead of the Iowa caucuses. The change won't go into effect unless the entire party votes in favor, and that would be in the early part of 2023. Now, think about this. The midterms just ended, and exactly a year from now, we will have already watched dozens of presidential debates with the primaries and the caucuses only weeks away. South Carolina always came after Iowa and New Hampshire in the primaries, and it became a test to see if the new frontrunner had the momentum to win in the South. In the past, to earn that frontrunner status, candidates would spend more than a year in Iowa and New Hampshire, which, due to all the media buys and attention, was great for the economies in Iowa and New Hampshire. Biden, however, lost to Trump in Iowa. He lost by nearly 10 points. So now it looks like it'll be South Carolina, the people of South Carolina, and not the people of Iowa who will be getting sick of the Democratic candidates. Although it remains to be seen whether anyone will be challenging Joe Biden should he decide to run again. Now, do you think he's going to run again? I think so. 2023 is going to be a difficult year for the Biden family. His son, Hunter, whose history of substance abuse and influence peddling will be under great scrutiny as the House Oversight Committee, under the leadership of Republican Congressman James Comer, will torture this kid 
over what was found inside that laptop. Elon Musk, who endorsed Ron DeSantis for president about two weeks ago, he said he wants Ron DeSantis to be president. Elon Musk is the new owner of Twitter, and he released internal documents suggesting Twitter in the lead up to the 2020 presidential elections decided to block any users from sharing reporting done by the New York Post on the contents of the Hunter Biden laptop. While Rudy Giuliani was busy peddling the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop to the media, 50 former intelligence agency officials, including two ex-CIA chiefs under Barack Obama, they all signed a letter insisting they believe the emails found inside the laptop showed evidence of Russian interference. But now major news organizations like The New York Times acknowledge the contents inside the laptop were not planted by the Russians and some of these emails suggest that Hunter Biden was engaging in some sort of pay for play to gain access to his father. Hunter Biden was addicted to crack as recently as I think 2019. So whatever he wrote in those emails is automatically suspect. And more importantly, the contents of anybody's laptop are private. Has anyone brought up the serious Fourth Amendment considerations in all this? Now, the Republicans in Congress can hold their hearings and they can leak the contents of the laptop to the press. But in a court of law, I'm almost certain Hunter Biden's laptop cannot be entered as evidence. Should it? Would would you want to even go through somebody's laptop? Would you? Would you do that? Over the summer, two men were arrested for selling the contents of a diary belonging to President Biden's daughter, Ashley. They try to sell it to the right-wing organization known as Project Veritas. Project Veritas never published the contents because they said they weren't sure the diary actually belonged to Ashley Biden. Who would read her diary? When did something like this even become remotely permissible? So Rudy Giuliani had Hunter's laptop, and we're about to find out what was on it. Would you like your laptop read in public? So will it be embarrassing for Hunter Biden? Absolutely. But only a golem like Rudy Giuliani would think of peddling the contents of a presidential candidate's son's laptop and insist it's a scandal. The scandal is that Rudy Giuliani got his hands on the laptop. Giuliani was a federal prosecutor. He knows it's unethical. And so it wasn't that much of a leap for Rudy Giuliani to go from peddling Hunter's laptop before the election to overthrowing the results of the election after the election. Giuliani, by the way, is spending the week in Washington, D.C., undergoing disbarment hearings. 
The Washington, D.C. bar is holding hearings to decide whether to spend his to suspend his law license due to his efforts to overthrow the presidential election. How about suspending his law license for peddling Hunter Biden's laptop? Musk's decision to release the files proving that Twitter blocked the New York Post articles on Hunter Biden prompted Donald Trump on Saturday to claim that big tech, especially Twitter, conspired to destroy his reelection campaign. Trump then went on to call this such a massive fraud that we should suspend the Constitution and reinstate him as president. Suspend the Constitution. That's not sitting too well with Republicans who turned their backs on Trump after he dined with Kanye West and a self-professed Nazi named Nick Fuentes at Mar-a-Lago last weekend. You know, if Republicans turn their backs on Trump any further, they'll be facing him. People say never count Donald Trump out. I've often said that, but he did lose in 2020. He left Washington kicking and screaming, but he left and he lost. He does lose. So can he be nominated? Can he win? The polling is all over the map. In some head-to-heads, Ron DeSantis leads. In others, it's Trump. Biden beats him in the general election. All the polls show Biden beating him in the general election. In terms of the nominating process, in terms of how entertaining that's going to be, I can't wait to watch the Republican debates. Can you imagine if Mike Pence decides to run or DeSantis? Who would you root for? I would love to see Trump just chew those two up. But by then, you know, by the time the debates start, he probably will have been indicted. He's going to get indicted. The jury in the tax fraud case against the Trump organization will spend today in its second day of deliberation. If the company is found guilty, it would probably have to pay a fine of no more than $1.6 million. But it would, if found guilty, it would, so it seems, make it nearly impossible moving forward for anyone in the Trump family to secure loans from banks or investors. That being said, Trump has always been corrupt, and there's always been a foreign bank or a criminal enterprise that needed someone like Donald Trump to launder money for them. Trump declared his candidacy right after the midterms, but he's off to a slow start, with a lot of the money donated to his super PAC now being used to pay legal fees for his top advisors. That money should be spent on building an actual campaign infrastructure, but the Washington Post reports that Trump's personal valet, as well as Trump advisor Kash Patel, have both testified before the grand jury looking into Trump's mishandling of classified documents in Mar-a-Lago, and their lawyers, Brand Woodward Law, their lawyers say the fees, their legal fees, have been paid by Trump's super PAC. Now, it's all perfectly legal to have Trump's super PAC pay the legal fees for Kash Patel or Trump's valet. But you can be sure that if they don't testify uh, to Trump's approval, 
those legal bill, those legal bills won't get paid. And if those legal bills don't get paid, that will raise eyebrows over at the Justice Department as to whether or not Trump is buying their silence. Spoiler alert, he is. Trump is also reportedly paying the legal fees for his longtime aide, Dan Scavino, who has also been brought before the grand jury. So is Biden going to run again? Probably for the same reason Trump is running to protect himself and his family. This next presidential election is going to be a blood sport. You're going to have Trump running, possibly with his whole family indicted. And you're going to have nonstop hearings on Hunter Biden and Jimmy Biden. And when they dig into Hunter and Jimmy Biden, that's the president's brother, brother, they're going to find stuff. Whether it's true or not, whether it's actionable or not, doesn't matter. When it comes to politics, it's all about perception. And if Trump does get the nomination, then his jackals in the House will do to Hunter what the Democrats did to Trump. It's going to be a nasty quid pro quo. And I worry that Hunter Biden is missing the shameless gene, the shameless gene that the Trump family was all born with. I worry that Hunter might not survive what's about to happen to him. This is why I've said countless times Joe Biden should have disqualified himself back in 2020. He should not have run. He should not be doing this to his son. He knows what Washington is like. It calls his judgment into question that he would put his son through this and, of course, put his presidency, the party, and America through this. It's going to be a rough year of investigations. Now, maybe the American people will be disgusted by the Hunter Biden investigation. They certainly were disgusted when Republicans impeached Bill Clinton. Again, we're talking about human decency here. We're talking about a troubled human being's laptop. And Biden may be a lot more wily than we give him credit for. Even Newt Gingrich, of all people, wrote on his blog praising Biden's political instinct. Newt Gingrich has compared him to Reagan and Eisenhower. He said, like Reagan and Eisenhower, Biden wants to be underestimated. Gingrich went on to say he disagrees with everything Biden has done, but Gingrich says there is no denying that Biden has accomplished a lot during his first two years in office. I agree with Newt Gingrich. I disagree with most of what Biden has accomplished, but there's no denying that he has accomplished a lot of things. The next year will not be fun for Joe Biden. But if Warnock beats Walker in Georgia today, it will give Democrats breathing room in the Senate with a 51 to 49 split that will marginalize Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema when it comes to nominating and confirming judges. This is important. Right now, according to The New York Times, there are 75 vacancies in our district courts, nine in the appellate. Ross Barkin, writing in The Times, says that doesn't include all the other judges who will be retiring in the next two years. So a Warnock victory today would give Biden an opportunity to retransform our judiciary 
by fast-tracking confirmations that would counteract the more than 234 judges Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell were able to power through during Trump's four years in the Oval Office. Biden can also do a lot with ex- executive orders in the next two years. You know, without without the Democrats controlling the House, no legislation is going to get passed. But Biden can do a lot with executive orders. But those orders are usually challenged in the courts. So the faster he can get these judges approved, the better chances his executive orders will stick. So, yeah, I think Biden's going to run. And despite his approval rating being in the toilet, I think he can get reelected. I think it will be close, but I think he can get reelected. Obama's approval rating was also in the toilet back in 2012. He got reelected. Now, look, if you listen to this show, you know I'm a leftist and I'm moving further and further to the left. Biden falls way short in my estimation. But the Democratic Party is not run by leftists, at least not yet. And most Americans have a problem with the left. So from a strictly political standpoint, there's a reason Joe Biden defied the odds last month in the midterms and almost held on to the House. Joe Biden did really well in the midterms last month. Whether we like it or not, Joe Biden has racked up a series of legislative accomplishments that he can run on. There's the American Rescue Plan that was passed when he first took office that pumped $1.9 trillion into the economy. That was huge. That was bigger than Obama's big stimulus package when he became president. There's the Inflation Reduction Act that, among other things, Make certain that senior citizens don't pay more than $35 a month for insulin. The Inflation Reduction Act cracks down on tax cheats. They've hired tens of thousands of IRS agents. And it also makes major investments in renewable energy and combating climate change. It falls short on everything. But in an election, it can be spun into gold. Last year, Joe Biden passed the bipartisan infrastructure bill to rebuild our crumbling roads, bridges and power lines. The Chips and Science Act this year marks the first time in my memory America has embarked on an official industrial policy. We have poured billions into the manufacturing of chips while making sure the jobs stay right here in America. Plus, The Chips and Science Act pumps billions into scientific research. After Uvalde, Biden passed the first piece of gun control law since the 1994 assault weapons ban. The law pours money into mental health. It's not enough. Last week, Joe Biden called for bringing back the assault weapons ban. There are executive orders he could issue to Get the guns off the street. I know. I know. But he can run on all these things. He pulled our troops out of Afghanistan. I think that might be his greatest accomplishment. He ended America's longest war in Afghanistan. And then, of course, he got us involved in Ukraine, which is a disaster. But politically speaking, all of that, all of that he can run on. 
Is COVID over? No, but it feels like it. Gas prices are down to their lowest levels since the invasion of Ukraine. Unemployment is at record lows while inflation is starting to dim. The recession everybody predicted never materialized. In short, we know that none of this is good enough. A lot of what he has done made corporations and the richest 1% more powerful and the middle class poorer. But it is a record to run on. It's a record that can be spun. So I doubt anyone in the party will challenge Joe Biden. And that first primary will be in South Carolina, South Carolina, which set him on his way in 2020. And I think most likely will do it once again in 2024. Moving the first primary to South Carolina, probably not the worst idea. Biden says he wants to make sure this move down to South Carolina will make candidates come right out of the gate, catering more to the needs of the black and southern rural voters that you find in South Carolina, instead of coming out of the gate by catering to the white voters you find in Iowa. About 90 percent of Iowa residents are white in South Carolina. Sixty nine percent are white. Democrats, by moving uh, the first primary to South Carolina, feel they will make deeper inroads into the South overall if their presidential candidates spend more time in South Carolina, in the South, instead of Iowa. We're seeing Georgia. I mean, I think today, if Warnock wins, and it looks like he is, Georgia is purple. Uh, This was unimaginable a decade ago, the South may be ripe for the Democratic Party's pickings. So uh, that's one way to win the black and Southern votes, moving the first primary to South Carolina. Or, and I know this is is insane, uh, you could pass legislation right now that appeals to black and Southern rural voters. I I know that... uh, Sounds insane. Uh, But, you know, winning isn't about who you make your promises to first. You win big by delivering. Now, earlier, I said Biden has a record that he can run run on and win on. But it's still going to be a nail biter. It's still going to be a close election because the Democrats and Biden are not delivering to the 100 million Americans who could vote but stay home on Election Day because they know neither party cares about them. You win big. And this is the problem. You see, unless you're going to get rid of the filibuster, you need to win big. You win big by keeping the promises you already made to these people. You keep the promises you've been making to the American people for the past 50 years. We don't need more promises. We need promises kept. It's how you govern, not how you promise to govern. You want to win big, govern by thinking of blacks and the rural South. Raise the minimum wage. Give voters free tuition at all public universities, free health care, and put the middle class and the poor first 
by demanding that railway workers get paid sick leave. That is how you win big. On Friday's show, I was highly critical of this new railway contract that Biden and the Democrats are forcing railway workers to sign. Some Democrats wrote to me and said, well, what else was Biden supposed to do? To which I responded, a lot. Look, this is a no-brainer. If, if you want to stop the spread of COVID, you make paid sick leave non-negotiable. People show up to work when they're sick if staying home means not being able to pay their bills. Which is why, according to Pew, Pew Charitable Trusts, 17 states here in America have mandated paid sick leave. And while 78% of private sector employees have paid sick leave, 33 million Americans don't. Of those 33 million Americans without paid sick leave, of those are the men and women who work our railways. The people we entrust to transport a two to three mile stretch of railway cars carrying hazardous chemicals, oil, food, and chlorine to keep our water potable, the people who are responsible for keeping us safe from a railroad disaster, these people are overworked to exhaustion. And when they get sick, they don't get paid. When a family member gets sick, they don't get paid. When they need to see a doctor, they don't get paid. This is the contract Biden and the Democrats insist was good enough. Joe Biden, Joe Biden calls himself the most pro-union president in American history. Then prove it. He never got the PRO Act passed. He still hasn't gotten more money for the National Labor Relations Board. It's, they're going to run out of money by February. Uh, and that's why Amazon and Starbucks, Starbucks workers have voted to go union. But because the NLRB is underfunded, Amazon and Starbucks still haven't recognized the unions because our NLRB is outgunned. Democrats say they are pro-union. Well, you must do more than just say it because Republicans are the most pro-management party in American history. They fight for corporations and they are winning. They are killing our unions. So who is on the side of labor if it's not Democrats? Who is fighting for the worker? Doesn't feel like the Democrats are. But the Democratic leadership needs to understand is it's not good enough to say you're fighting for the workers. You must also fight the corporations. We need a president and a party that punishes corporations for punishing their employees. Instead of taking donations from these corporations, the Democrats should be fining them. We also need unions that fight for the workers. I can't believe the number of railway union chiefs who praise Joe Biden saying he did the best he could. You fight for the workers. You don't force a contract on them. You take that fight to the American people and you make the case against people like Warren Buffett and all the other railroad owners who earn billions while paying their workers scraps. You call out their greed because that's all this is. 
greed. How corporations pay their workers is a fight as important, if not more important, than the fight for Ukraine. And while the fighting in Ukraine is far from over, Biden never gives up. He counsels patience when it comes to Ukraine. But when it comes to railway workers, Biden needed that contract immediately. Pencils down, no more negotiating. We need a contract right now. Why? Because there could be a strike. The entire economy could shut down and we can't have that. Any economy where workers must choose between insulin and food should be shut down. What the Democrats, what Biden should have done is he should have kept a tentative agreement going and the presidents and the Democrats should have stood up for the railway workers and taken the fight to the railway companies, shamed Warren Buffett. And maybe, maybe after they put up a big fight, they don't win. Maybe after the Democrats take the fight to the railway companies and they discover that they just don't have the votes in the Senate, they lose. They cave. But at least the battle lines haven't been blurred. At least the workers and the voters know that the Republicans are on the side of management and Democrats are on the side of labor. You can't be on both sides. You can't straddle the management-labor divide. Pick a side. The Republicans have. They've picked management. The Democrats have to stop saying labor and management are a team. They're not a team. Labor and management are not on the same side. That's what neoliberal hack Virginia Democratic Senator Tim Kaine told Christian Smalls, the head of the Amazon labor union, over the summer. Tim Kaine, Democrat, Hillary's vice president, said, I don't know why you're beating up on Amazon. It's a good company. And why can't you see labor and management working as a team? No, Amazon, first of all, is a bad company. Its business model is hiring and firing and working people until they're completely burnt out. And most importantly, labor and management are not on the same team. Democrats, if they're not going to get rid of the filibuster, have to win with landslides. And they're never going to win with landslides until they declare themselves on team labor. Like I said, stop taking donations from corporations. Fine them. That's how you take their money. You fine them. Now, a few clarifications on the nearly 120,000 railway workers and the contract that the federal government is forcing on these 12 unions to sign. More than half the workers rejected the contract. More than half the workers rejected this contract. This is not what the workers want. It's what their feckless union leaders are agreeing to. See, this is why elections in America are so close, because the Democratic Party straddles the, the, the labor management divide. You can't play both sides. Voters have long memories and Democrats can't keep coming around every two years insisting that they're on the side of workers. 
workers see their shrinking paychecks. They see how they're working longer hours for less money and fewer benefits. And you know who the workers end up blaming? Not the Republicans. They blame the Democrats because the Republicans never lied to them. The Republicans never pretended they were pro-union. That's why the Democrats don't win big. That's why they just lost the House. Do you really think workers believe that Hakeem Jeffries, the Wall Street bag man who is the new Democratic House leader, do you think anybody who works for a living believes Hakeem Jeffries is on their side? The Lever reports that people should subscribe to The Lever, David Sirota's publication. The Lever reports that giving railway workers seven days of paid sick leave would cost the railroad industry $321 million a year. $321 million a year. This year, the major railway companies made $7 billion in profits and paid out dividends of $1.8 billion to shareholders. The lever goes on to write that the CEOs of the five major railroad companies earned $200 million in salary over the past three years while spending nearly $200 billion on stock buybacks, stock buybacks which accomplish nothing other than artificially boosting the price of the railway stocks. This is why Warren Buffett loves owning railroads. $200 billion in the past three years was spent to buy back the stock. Now, that does nothing for the company. They're not buying new equipment when they buy back stocks. They're not investing in their workers. They're spending $200 billion to purchase their own shares just so the value of the shares go up. That's not how you are supposed to invest your profits. You're not supposed to invest in your company by purchasing more stock. You invest in your company through research and development, delivering a better product, and most importantly, a happier workforce. This is pure greed. And by the way, up until 1982, up until Ronald Reagan was president, stock buybacks were illegal. $200 billion. The railways have spent in three years $200 billion, $200 billion in buybacks over a three-year period, but no paid sick leave. Open secrets. How much was it? $120 million? $321 million to give workers paid sick leave, but they have $200 billion in stock buybacks. They can spend $200 billion in stock buybacks. Open Secrets reports that the railway industry donated $3.3 million in the last midterm cycle to Congress. That's that's how you buy their votes, with just $3.3 million. Boy, they really are cheap whores. They have $200 billion for stock buybacks, and they're able to to buy these Washington, D.C. whores for $3.3 million total. Not each, total. Well, who has the power in this? Congress and the president. That's because of the Railway Labor Act. 
It's a nearly 100-year-old law giving our government the power to enforce a contract on the railway workers and railway management. Railway management as well. According to the Railway Labor Act, when workers and management can't agree on anything, the President of the United States, through an executive order, and this is what happened, uh, the President establishes an emergency board, that's what Biden established, to handle the negotiations. And then that emergency board makes recommendations which, through an act of Congress, force the workers and management to agree to the contract. And that's what Biden did. He established an emergency board. Marty Walsh, his labor secretary, led the negotiations. And this contract belongs to Joe Biden. These are his recommendations. Now, yes, he has to negotiate with Congress to get it passed. But there's no reason. There's no reason Biden and the Democrats couldn't have forced a tentative agreement. And then Biden and the Democrats could lobby the American people, go on national television like Roosevelt would, and explain, remind the American people of the gross inequalities. Go over what management makes versus what the workers do. This is how you fight for workers and unions, and this is how you win with Roosevelt-era landslides. Instead... The American people, the American worker, were all bamboozled into being afraid of a strike like it's the apocalypse. And, and Biden and the Democrats want credit for averting a strike like the worst thing that could happen is a strike. Republicans pay attention to the debt ceiling in a week or two. The, Dem the, the Republicans are going to hold the debt ceiling. They're going to hold the government hostage and maybe shut the government down over the debt ceiling. The Republicans are willing to have our Treasury bonds downgraded, which they were when Republicans uh, shut the government down. I think it was like 10 years ago. I think our, our bonds were downgraded. Republicans have shut down our government. Newt Gingrich shut down our government. But Democrats are too terrified of a railway strike. This is why the Democrats don't win. This is why they don't win big. The Republicans, big swings. They will shut the government down, and they mean it. And yet, the party that's supposed to be on the side of labor is terrified of a railway strike. Is a strike painful? Yes. But we need more strikes. What happens during a strike? What happens is management is reminded of who does all the work and who really has all the power if labor ever gets around to exercising that power. You know why the French live longer than Americans do? They strike. They shut their country down. And by the way, with all the strikes in France, their GDP is just fine. Their corporations are doing just fine. Because when workers are happy, the customers are happy. And happy customers mean, what's that word I'm looking for? Oh, yeah, bigger profits. Bigger profits. You see, you don't grow a company by squeezing profits out of the bottom line. 
That's how you kill a company. And it's precisely why most companies are racking up record debt. You know, despite the stock market doing a little bit better, despite the economy doing better, more corporations, more corporations are not because they're all in debt. They bought other companies. They buy their competition. Instead of competing with their competition, they buy their competition in direct violation of every antitrust law known to mankind. And now they have all this debt. So instead of growing profits by investing in the worker, they grow profits by downsizing, by firing people, because it's easier to fire everyone than it is to compete. This is Chris Licht. He's a golden boy. He's the new head of CNN. He was brought in to save CNN because he has this track record working first for uh, CBS News, and then he went over to the Colbert Show. He's an executive, a television executive, which means he gets paid a lot of money to do nothing. And now he's been brought into CNN, which is being victimized by all these mergers, right? CNN, Time Warner, then eight. And they sell it to AT&T and now they're the Discovery Channel. CNN is profitable. CNN is doing fine, but they keep getting bought. And when they get bought, the parent company has debt that has to be serviced. So Chris Licht was brought in to CNN uh, and CNN isn't doing good enough Uh it made uh, $956.8 million in profits last year. It dipped below $1 billion. And that has the Discovery Channel, their new owners, upset. And golden boy Chris Licht is supposed to make $1.1 billion in profits this fiscal year. But he's on track to come up about $100 million short. So he must deliver on his promise to bring in $1.1 billion in profits. So what does he do? What's he doing this year? Does he dream up new revenue streams? Does he do something creative? Does he improve the quality of CNN or CNN headline news so that the ratings go up and he can charge more for advertising? No, that's too much work for a golden boy. Instead, he fires 10% of the staff. There's a bloodbath going on right now over at CNN. See, that's the new business model. CNN merges, they get bought out, you rack up debt. And even though CNN is making about a billion dollars a year in profits, it's not good enough. So we have to fire 10% of the staff and squeeze more work out of the terrified staffers over at CNN who are still left there, afraid of losing their job. This is the business model for CNN because, <clears throat> you know, the government could have blocked the AT&T purchase of Time Warner. They didn't. They could have blocked CNN getting bought by the Discovery Channel. But no, that's the new business model. Just buy up the competition. Don't come up with new ideas to beat the competition. Buy the competition, rack up debt, and squeeze profits by firing all your workers, like Chris Licht is doing over at CNN. Very creative, Chris. 
firing people. Genius. You're a regular Brandon Tartikoff. That is the uh, business model for the railways, which is why Warren Buffett owns so much stock in railways. That's the business model for the railway workers. Lay them off and make the workers who are left work harder for less money. In the past three years, 35,000 railway workers have been fired and profits are up. Profits are up because of new efficiencies. And by efficiencies, I mean making the remaining railway workers work longer hours for much less pay. Thanks to something called precision scheduling, railway workers are on call 365 days a week, which means they can't plan a vacation, a weekend. They can't visit their doctor without worrying about getting a last-minute call saying you have 90 minutes to get here and start working. And if you're not here, you get a demerit. This new contract shortens what is called the worker rest cycle. And in the name of efficiency, railway workers are assigned one shift that will start in the morning and then their next shift starts at night. And they are expected to adjust their circadian rhythms with the needs of the company. And they're doing dangerous work. Like they have our lives in their hands. Might be a good idea to treat them kindly. Railway workers are forced to sleep three to hotel room on overnight stays. Cheap, cheap rundown hotel rooms with some of them saying they throw their clothes out for fear of bringing bed bugs back to their family. There's nothing in this new contract forced on the railway workers to prevent more downsizing. Downsizing isn't efficiency. It's just lazy and uncreative, like Chris Lick, the golden boy running CNN. He's a golden boy. When corporations fire hundreds of staffers, they're not getting rid of dead weight. If getting rid of dead weight was their primary goal, the first person Chris Licht over at CNN would be firing right now would be Chris Licht. Golden boy. So Biden and the Democrats, they didn't have to force this contract vote. How about a tentative agreement? No strike, but a president and a Democratic Party that uses this moment to draw attention to the plight, not just of the railway workers, but of all workers. Turning your back on the railway workers is bad politics, and it's bad for our democracy. It's bad politics because it allows faux populists in the Republican Party to posture and pretend to be on the side of labor. Senators Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, John Cornyn got to stand in the well of the Senate last week and vote against the bill because it didn't provide for paid sick leave. It was posturing. Marco Rubio said he didn't want to abandon the worker. He didn't he he didn't approve of the bill. It was convenient because the Republicans knew the contract was going to pass. But they got to grandstand and give the Republican Party fake street cred with the workers. It's bad politics. It's bad. It's bad politics. And it's bad for our republic.
It's bad for democracy. You see, Republicans like Hawley, Cornyn, Cruz and Rubio, they pretend to be on the side of labor when they can't help labor. They pretend to be on the side of labor, but they're not on the side of labor. They're fascists and fascists hate labor. They hate unions. If we're going to save this republic, Joe Biden, we need the unions. They are the muscle. See, the fascists have their muscle. The fascists have bikers, retired cops, sick veterans, you know, mentally ill veterans, and they have their militia. And they've always had, fascists have always had that element. But it's the workers, it's the unions who stand up to the fascists. If you keep gutting the unions, Joe Biden, there's nobody to stand up to the fascists. We need the railway workers. They are the guardians of our democracy. We need the Teamsters because they can shut the economy down. That's power. That is how you save a democracy. It's the workers who can shut the economy down. Uh, And the way we save our democracy is we make sure our democracy works for the railway workers and the Teamsters. Because when they lose faith in the government, then we have nobody to protect it. It's the railway workers who are going to protect the government. It's the unions that are going to protect our government. Without workers, there is no republic. Without unions, there's nobody to save our Constitution. And to save our Constitution, to save our republic, we all must make sacrifices. And if that means an occasional inconvenience like a strike, suck it up. A strike is not a natural disaster. The way Biden and the media framed the contract negotiations between railway workers and management is we need to avert a strike. A a, a strike will shut the economy down. It will be the worst thing to happen to our country. It will be like a Category 5 hurricane smashing into Christmas. All that talk frames the debate. It creates the illusion that the unions hold all the cards, and it's up to the unions to prevent a strike. No, it's up to management to give the unions what they deserve to prevent a strike. It has been estimated that a railroad strike would cost our economy $2 billion a day. Wow, that sounds like it would do a lot of damage to the economy if there were a a railway strike. Sounds to me like the railway workers uh, have a lot of power. Sounds to me like management should make the workers happy. Give them uh, paid sick leave because, you know, railway workers, uh, those are uh, those are one of the few jobs management can't threaten to ship overseas. Seems to me railway workers, if empowered, uh Look, a strike is not a a massive earthquake. It's good for the country. It's good for the working class. 
it lets the boss know who's boss. You can't have a vibrant middle class without unions, and you can't have unions without management terrified of a strike. Too many people died for the five-day work week. And if the American people must go without, then too bad. It's called a shared sacrifice. If there has to be a strike, we go without. Like I said, if Republicans are willing to shut down the government to protect the rich, we need a Democratic Party willing to shut down the economy to protect the worker. There are more of us than there are of them. A strike might be painful, but the railway workers don't have paid sick leave. Unions are dying and Americans are working longer for less pay. You say a strike means you would have to go without? Well, more than half this country can't come up with $1,000 for an emergency. We're already going without. If Republicans are willing to shut the government down this month, the Democrats should be willing to shut the economy down. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe to this channel and hit the like button. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Uh, critical race theory. It was very good, very informative. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate Thank you, Mark. It. On, the, on the Princeton point here, you and I have discussed it. it at the college level, this is this fair game. Not Go ahead and do it, right? I'm I mean, sorry. I remember 20 years old going to Trier, Germany and trying to find the home of Karl Marx because, you know, 1848, he wrote Mein Kampf. I want to know what it was all about. So that's part of the education in America, if you so choose. So uh, that's that. More to come. Reem- Let's go to Los Angeles, where Howie Klein is standing by. He is the founder and the treasurer of the Blue America PAC. They raise money for progressive candidates around the country. Howie, who is Barbara Bankman Freed, her son Gabe? Who, what is the Democratic Mind the Gap PAC? And why does that make 26-year-old congressman-elect Maxwell Alexander Frost corrupt? <laughs> well, that's a lot of questions you're asking there. <laughs> oh, and so, by the uh, way, hello. <laughs> hi, David. So everybody knows, I think, by now, who Sam Bankman-Fried is, known as SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried. He um, had a uh, company called FTX uh, which was uh, like an exchange for cryptocurrency. So people who were buying and selling cryptocurrencies uh, would would go through his exchange. Or, more importantly, just say, for example, that a rogue state like uh, North Korea had the biggest um, methamphetamine uh, uh, business in the world, and they're under in, in, uh, embar- embargo from the United States, and uh, its allies, and they've got to move this money around because they're getting paid. And how how is this money going to move around? And they would do it the same way that Iran would do it, the same way that um, Russia was doing it, the same way that Ukraine was doing it. They were all moving money through uh, cryptocurrency uh, exchanges. And uh, FTX was one of those uh, exchanges, maybe the biggest of them all. And uh, as, 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 of course, the original use of uh, cryptocurrency was for drug barons. So suddenly, 
FTX is uh, FTX is missing, uh, you know, depending on on who you're hearing this from, something between eight and thirty two billion dollars. Now, thirty two billion dollars seems like a lot, but so does eight billion dollars. Right. They all seem like a lot. Right. Uh, it's missing. It's gone. How did that happen? Someone misplaced it. Where's the money? Some of the money. Um, I mean, the money was basically stolen by Sam Bankman Fried. And he he used it for various things. And and one of the things he used it for was bribing politicians. Um, at first, it was, uh, you know, being said, well, he was bribing Democratic politicians. Well, as it turned out, he had a, a, a super PAC, which was just bribing Democratic pro, um, politicians. But FTX also had a Republican super PAC, a mirror, a mirror image that was bri- bribing Republican politicians. He claims that he spent uh, equal amounts of money on Democrats and Republicans. That may or may not be true, but he certainly spent many tens of millions of dollars on on Democrats and many tens of million dollars on Republicans. They um, reciprocated by uh, protecting his regulatory interests, for example, writing a letter to the head of the SEC saying, get off his back. Don't uh, don't investigate him. We're talking about members of the House Financial Services Committee specifically. Right. Right. We're talking about eight particular, although there were more than than that, but there were eight particular ones called the Blockchain Eight, led by uh, Tom Emmer, who at the time was the head of the um, the NRCC, the the Republican version of the DCCC. Now he is the number three man in uh, the Republican Party in the House, the whip of the Republican Party. He was just elected using money, by the way, that he got from from Sam Bankman-Fried to buy his way into that position. Right. Uh, in, in any case, you ask who Barbara Bankman-Fried is. Well, let me ask you a question before you do that. Is Maxine Waters? I, I love Maxine Waters. Max, Maxine, you mean you mean Maxine Bankman-Fried? I'm, well, is she because I over down with tyranny, I didn't see. Did I did I, I saw a picture of her, but I didn't see you mentioned her name isn't she i think she's was she's the outgoing chairman of the house financial services committee that's right she is the outgoing chairman so the question that many people are asking and some aren't asking they're just uh, assuming is, is is she corrupt is she was she one of the ones and if she wasn't one of the ones she's one of the only ones who wasn't right uh on that committee so I don't know. Uh, my, you know, as you probably know, I've been on this beat for several months now, and I keep not coming across much about her. However, when you look at um, some of the, uh, you know, inside baseball uh, Twitter people who are writing about this constantly, she comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no proof, no proof comes up with a lot of the other people. There's lots of proof that comes up with her. There's that photo I ran, but that doesn't really say anything. Right. Uh, there's, there's someone, like I said, who calls her Max, <laughs> Maxine Bankman Freed. But, but to tell you the truth, I'm not finding any evidence. In, and by the way, there are uh, several members of Congress have been feeding me information uh, about their colleagues being corrupt and no one has brought her up well, that, that from to either me, Republicans or Democrats. So, I, so my guess is, is no, no, no on her. You know, I mean, I'm open to the fact that she might be. But but right now I'm not finding any evidence. And, and you know, there are so many people where there is evidence. 
why uh, why drag her into it when there is no evidence? Right. So over down with Tyrion, everybody should be reading your coverage on this. I think it's the best coverage of the, the Freed family and the cryptocurrency scandal. You you say that there are essentially two packs. There's the protector. Oh, no, 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 no. There's there's many more than two. But th- there's the, the two biggies. But there's a lot more than that. So so there's one there was one pack. Like I said, it was the Democratic pack and a Republican pack. Salami, uh, one of Bankman Freed's uh, cronies, was run, uh, but part of FTX was running the Republican pack, and then his brother, um, uh, what's his name, Bankman Freed, <laughs> the brother, yeah, Gabe, him, Gabe, 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 right, Bankman Freed, GBF, he was running uh, the the Democratic one. Now, Bankman, the Bankman Freeds are a conservative Democratic family. He did an interview early on in this thing when I was first getting into it. I was interested to see why is he donating the way he's donating. And he did an interview and he said he's just like his parents. They're conservative Democrats. And so am I. That's what right. he said. Right. The brother, Gabe Bankman-Fried, was working at, in a low level job for uh, Sean Caston. Yeah. Who is Sean Caston? Yeah. You know, Sean Caston is, is an extremely corrupt New Dem from sh- the Chicago area. He's a Chicagoland New Dem, really corrupt. Originally driven out of New York, he and his father for their corruption in New York, got gets the Chicago land and starts a corrupt operation in there. Uh, and, and the um, so Bankman Freed's mother, Barbara Bankman Freed, has a uh, a, a, a pack. What does she for, do for a living? Let, let, let's there, she's she's she's, an, she's, she's a, um, a law professor at Stanford. As is, as is Joseph Bankman Bankman Freed, who is a well, he's actually Joseph Bankman. She's Barbara Freed, but and uh, so the kids are Bankman Freed, but the the two parents aren't. But anyway, she's um, she they're both law professors at Stanford Law School. Okay, and she, she and she's the head of a very very well funded pack. Although I found out over the weekend that part of that well funding was, was Sam Bankman Freed. Some of the money that he stole from FTX went a uh, million dollars of it went into her pack. This year and all that anyway, money you write, you write that all the money is spent on salaries. None of it is donated to the candidates. Right, not one cent was donated to candidates or to uh, independent expenditures for candidates. Basically, it all went. I mean, it wasn't 100 percent. It was 80, 80 some odd percent yeah. went to salaries. Yeah. Right. Anyway, she uh, so so she her pack spent or gave. See, there are diff- different ways that PACs spend money. One of them is they get all their members to to give money to one candidate. So suddenly a candidate gets $500,000, and they're all from the members of this PAC. Rather than the PAC itself giving the money, the members all do it. That's the way, for example, J Street does it. Um, there are a lot of organizations that do it that way. And they're not nece- that doesn't mean that they're, they're – it's, it's not necessarily meaning that they're corrupt. But in the case of um, – uh, the mother's pack, uh, there's a very good reason to think they're corrupt because they gave $500,000 to this extremely corrupt member of the uh, House Financial Services Committee, Sean Caston. And then all of a sudden, Sean Caston hires her son, Gabe Bankman Freed, to basically to have a job, legislative coordinator, which is, means you open mail and you answer the mail. That's the job. But suddenly he's going to all these high level 
uh, House Financial Services Committee meetings. That never happens, like never. I mean, sometimes maybe a chief of staff, but even that's looked on weirdly, let alone a letter opener. That never, never happens. And he's going especially to uh, uh, the meetings that have to do with cryptocurrency. He, when he, he left that job, he then uh, went and suddenly he's an expert in preventing pandemics. And he starts, a, he, he starts working at his brother's anti-pandemic pack, mm. which is the pack that he's feeding tens of millions of dollars to Democrats who have nothing to do with pandemics. He's, he's using that pack to uh, funnel money into Democratic campaigns. Now, like I said, there's a mirror image campaign run by this guy, Salami, uh, for Republicans. So, you know, each of them is giving very, very large sums of money. So the way they do it, the way they did it was, was several, several fold. One, they would just give money to, you know, within legal limits to these uh, people. They would max out to them. They would give m- much more money to their own leadership packs, which is another way to do it. And then the big money they would give to um, organizations like, for example, Mitch McConnell's uh, leadership pack, which they gave uh, millions of dollars to. Nancy Pelosi's leadership pack, which they gave, if I remember correctly, six million dollars to. So and that that way it filters down to all of the other members of Congress as well. Um, and then the uh, the biggest money that they spent was in independent expenditures. So they would, in other words, do uh, TV advertising or they would do uh, mailers on behalf of candidates. Now, the candidates very, um, you know, conveniently said, well, those are independent expenditures. I didn't know anything about it. I had no idea he spent a million dollars on me, right. <laughs> which is right. a, a complete lie. That's a right. complete lie. And if someone says that, they should go to jail immediately. Now, you write over um, it down with tyranny that Freed was the second biggest donor in 2020, right behind uh michael bloomberg george soros no george no in, tw- oh, in 2020 yeah I, I i was talking about yeah no in 20 that in 2022 he was the second biggest donor behind uh michael uh, bloomberg in 2020 he was the second biggest donor behind george soros to, to democrats to uh, biden specifically yeah, to, to biden now for democrats i'm talking about right, right. because they're also uh he's also one of the top donors to republicans so right. that's a, i think he was yeah so, so it was, he was giving huge, huge, huge. I mean, he said he was going to spend one billion dollars on politics, uh, 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 you know, in, in this period. He said he would spend a billion. Now, he didn't get to spend a billion because suddenly he's bankrupt and all the money is missing and no one knows where the money is. Now, we know where some of the money is. It went to the all these politicians. Right. Uh, That's the effective but, altruism that he believes in. Yes, that's very effective altruism. <laughs> but a lot of the money is, has also been going to um, to buy off government officials in other countries, like, for example, the Bahamas, where he's hanging out right now, having given you know millions of dollars to corrupt bah- Bahamian politicians. And I'm hearing from to the government of the Bahamas themselves. So he hasn't been arrested. So I want to ask uh, you about all- Nikolai Mushigian, the 29 year old. Mm-hmm. Crypto universe, yeah. Uh, in a second, yes, he's he's one he's one of three crypto billionaires, young, vigorous crypto billionaires, dead within the last few weeks. But How did that happen? Yeah. One of them just literally went to bed and never woke up. Young, thirty years old, 
good good health, no problem, but he didn't wake up. I mean, does this happen to billionaires? Three of them, all all involved with crypto? And you write that Mushagian had turned in Freed? Was was gonna well, st- that, the speculation that he was in, I, I didn't say he turned him in, but the speculation that he could have turned him in uh, and could have been a witness. Uh, but but no one knows. But he but Michigan did write uh, a few days before he was found drowned uh, that um, he was being that. Well, yeah, his, his I shouldn't say he wrote his his account wrote that he was, uh, you know, the crazy, crazy text that his um that the Mossad and the cia were after him and they were going to torture him so either he really believed that which i don't think or someone wrote that for him to make him sound insane and discredit any of the uh anything that would have come out of him as, as a conspiracy theory now is it overblown to believe as you know you started off talking about cryptocurrency the crypto universe being uh, the provenance of drug dealers, mobsters, North Korea. And Iran and Russia and Ukraine, uh, you know, anywhere where there's something fishy going on, they're involved. And so how safe is it for the Freed family right now with that money gone? Well, first of all, I doubt the money is gone. I mean, no one thinks the money's gone. The money's hidden. But uh, so interesting about the Freed family. So, um, it's, it's kind of everyone is is waiting to see when Sam Bankman Freed is suicided, which which is what's generally expected. Sam Bankman Freed, remember, he he was bribing Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, Mitch McConnell, uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy, Chuck Schumer. So a lot of politicians are very nervous about what's going to happen with him. And I've just named the, the ones at the top. There's also ones right, right below them and all the way down the chain. Uh, and then, so there's that. And then, you know, where's North Korea's money that, we, that, he, that he was holding? Where, you know, you think they're happy to lose billions of dollars? Russia's money. Where's the money? R- R- Russian uh, mobsters, where's the money? Drug dealers from all over the world, where's the money? So this guy definitely has a... Uh, has a target on his back. Uh, has a target on his back. But when the new Congress is sworn in, we're not going to see hearings on this because the Republicans are just yes. right. No, 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 no. First of all, hearings are supposed to start on him. On the 13th. But why would Republicans want to look into this? They're just as dirty as the Democrats. Well, why do the Democrats want to look into it? I They're thought, just as dirty as the Republicans. Th- Everybody's dirty, except th- the ones who aren't dirty. I thought they weren't. So My impression was they weren't really, that Maxine Waters had asked him to testify. And, and he said he, first, the news yesterday is that he wouldn't testify. The news today, by, by the, the, nothing changed. The news yesterday, he's not testifying. Nothing changes. The news today is he's testifying. What what's why? What happened? What happened was if you, when you read his tweet, because he's he's communicating with these people by tweet. When you read the tweet, what he's saying is that he will testify when he's good and ready. So not the 13th, but when he's good and ready. You ever hear of anything like that? Yeah, it sounds like uh, Mark Meadows. 
and the January 6th yes, committee. And, <laughs> sounds like, sounds right. like a Republican. Are they going to hold hearings in a, in a lame duck session? Yes, they're holding hearings next, uh, next week. So there are hearings next week. And I don't think this is going to go away the way uh, the January 6th committee is going to go away. This is not going anywhere. This is a very, very big deal. There are, there's, there's even a paper trail to follow, like this incredible letter that uh, Bob, uh, that um, uh, Tom Emmer wrote, which was signed by uh, uh, what is it, eight, he and seven others. So eight people who, co- who are known as the blockchain eight. There are four Democrats and four Republicans, uh, all scumbags, pardon my French. Uh, you know, the, the kind of people who you, you, whose names you would recognize, like Josh Gottheimer, for example, is one of them. But they're all, they're all a bunch of crooks. And uh, they also sent this letter to uh, Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC, screaming, you leave Sam Bankman alone. I mean, it wasn't, you know, that it wasn't that personalized. But, you know, why you investigate? Why are you uh trying to regulate this cryptocurrency. These are private companies. Who do you think you are to try to investigate them? Well, now you have Tom Emmer saying, this is all Biden's fault. Why, did, why didn't he regulate these people? <laughs> right. and they, but yet this letter exists with his name uh, very much on the top of it. Well, so anyway, so you yeah, think, so it you can't, think it the can't rep- go away. You, you think it can't go away, but you also, what do you think the chances are that this kid will still be alive Five months from now, in all seriousness. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't feel good for that for him. Well, he's very smart though. His parents are smart, so maybe they're they're figuring out a way to keep him alive. I mean, he's he's in the penthouse of this gated community community in Nassau with lots of uh, security around him. Uh, who knows? Maybe someone, maybe one of the security guards will kill him. But if he has billions of dollars, you know, he can give each security guy a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, you know, but I don't know. I mean, the, you know, when I started first hearing this stuff, the stuff that I've been saying to you on the phone today, I was, I was accusing the people who were telling it to me. I was saying to them, how much dues do you have to pay to QAnon per year to get this nonsense? I didn't believe any of it. I, I didn't believe any of the stuff about murdered, uh, you know, murdered billionaires in the crypto world until suddenly I did because I'm seeing the proof of it. And, you know, we're of a certain age where cryptocurrency doesn't make any sense. I think any age. Does it make sense? Have you been able to figure it out? Well, I was figuring I I wanted to show someone how to how to that it wasn't an investment and it was a gamble and that you can make a lot of money from it. I don't know if I I I think I told you about this, how I I invested in it. I didn't invest in it. I, I, I put some money into it. For a short period of t- period of time, so I put the money in, and I said to my broker, "When it hits this this you know this amount, uh, sell it immediately. Don't call me, just sell it." And he did, and I I wound up making a, a very large sum of money uh, because that's what it is. What are, buying, it's what, just, what are you buying though? What are you buying? I bought I bought something called Coinbase, and Coinbase is a rival of FTX. It's a it's a uh, you know, it's a, it's a crypto exchange. So it's like instead of buying Bitcoin, you buy you buy the exchange and you're buying like a so it's almost like a whole basket 
of currents of cryptocurrencies. And the value, the, va- the, the, in order for something. I got to- in and out really, really fast. I, got, I, I, I made, I think I, my, my goal was to make $50,000, which is what I did make on a $5,000 bet. And, um, and it's now worthless. Oh, and it went all the way down. Based on what? The supply and demand? But there's there's crypto farming going on. How do they establish? The- yeah, I mean, look, let, let's 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 take the uh, the example of our good friend. Um, uh, oh, what's his, uh, Madison Cawthorn. Mm-hmm. So Madison Cawthorn gets involved with some uh, some sleazy characters and they they invent a cryptocurrency, which is called Let's Go Brandon Coins. Right. Right. So they've got a cryptocurrency. It's let's go, Brandon. They hire. Uh, he, he, he didn't invent it. They hired him and gave him lots of money and, and lots of this, these coins uh, to help them to publicize it. So all these rubes, you know, from the far right, they're all, you know, drooling to get these, <laughs> these this cryptocurrency of let's go, Brandon. And and it's worth nothing. But, but it, for a minute, it was it was worth a lot. There so is it's a kind of a it's a Ponzi scheme. They're putting money in. Uh, Cawthorn, who, by the way, he, you know, although he was defeated, we haven't heard the last of him because he's going to go. Uh, he's he'll be on. He's got 20 cases, including the uh, of, of, you know, legal cases, including this this one where right. he was he was uh, illegally and unethically promoting a cryptocurrency. But they're not based on anything. There's nothing behind them. It's not like there's dollars behind them or gold behind them or or property behind them. They're just made up. It's, it's just pure, pure Ponzi scheme. There's nothing. That's what it is, is there anything tangible that you can hold or it's just one? Sometimes it's what? not something tangible that's worth anything. But yes, I mean, in, in the in the case of let's go, Brandon, <clears throat> from what I could tell while I was trying to figure it out. It was basically a cardboard coin. <laughs> it was just a cardboard coin. It didn't have any value. But the, uh, how do they establish supply and demand? Stupid people. Or isn't there also crypto farming that is going on where you have to solve some mathematical formula in order to crack, to, to do some mining? to find more yeah, crypto you, you i don't know what crypto farming is but i think you mean crypto mining right yeah 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 that's right so that does go on although i i, I was really happy to see that new york state which which is one of the big crypto mining places in the u.s has now banned it uh but you know they don't need the united states they've got they've got huge amounts of it if china banned it as well but they've got it going on in north korea in a really big way for example also russia in a really big way but it's all, you know, I if you're asking me if I understand it, answer is no. And does that uh, suggest so- I think you I think that no one who has an IQ over a hundred can understand it. This is a case where you have to be really stupid to understand it. <laughs> okay. But it does suggest that there is another economy out there that is much yes, there always has been a drug a drug economy. This is from the very first day this was about drugs. From the first day, and it's still about drugs. So it's not exclusively about drugs, but it's overwhelmingly about drugs and money laundering and people yes, hiding course. from the government. It's a much larger economy 
than the economy we pay attention to. Well, it's a much larger economy than the economy that people pay taxes on. That's for yeah. sure. But it, it, in terms of measuring the, the GDP of the world, I suspect uh, the cryptocurrency market is taking money from the economy we don't know about, which is enormous. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have a I have a post up on my blog called away uh, by the way that I put up this weekend called drug dealer, and it's about my my life. Yes, I saw dealer. that. So yes, am, where the cops. Yes. the cops. Here I am. Uh, I I never got involved with cryptocurrency, uh, and they didn't have that in my days. <laughs> what you were? We just, uh, we, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, let, let's talk about a piece you have. Uh, over at Down with Tyranny, entitled Crapping on the Democratic Party Brand, Manchin, Jeffries, Pelosi, Biden, and the DCCC. So last week you were talking about Hakeem Jeffries. He's the new Democratic minority leader. Right now there's... Or he will, or he will be in the 18th, in the 118th Congress. Pelosi is still the uh, the speaker. And what is happening with the head of the DCCC? Is there, is there going to be an election... Is Jeffries no? And when when do they have to pick somebody? To by, by in February, he has till February to pick someone. Okay. So what happened is as soon as he uh, as soon as he won the position as the he, the the uh, top dog in the Democratic uh, House Caucus, as soon as that happened, they then passed something with one blue dog, one new Dem, and one so-called progressive. They were all put forward this uh, uh, this rule that he, instead of having an election, he would the, he would just pick somebody and then they would ratify it. The, the whole caucus would then ratify whoever he picks. And 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 in, and of course, that's obviously anti-democratic and it's horrible. But the two candidates were both so bad that in a way, I'm relieved that it's not going to be Ami Berra or Tony Cardenas, two extremely corrupt people. You said and last week Car- Cardenas is the child rapist and Barra yes. and Barra screwed his father. Yes. <laughs> One, one's a child rapist <laughs> and one screwed his father. 80 year old sick father. Yeah. Who, who wound up taking the rap for Barra and going to prison for a year. Right. So there, neither one of them is going to be head of the DCCC. You suggest yeah, there won't be any there won't be anybody any better. I mean, is, Hakeem Jeffries will find someone else awful. You, you said know, that today, did you, fact, you you wrote that you write about Tim Ryan, Congressman Tim Ryan, who is right. So that he's one of the possibilities. But another one, even worse than Ryan, that I didn't write about yet because I just heard about it today. That they put up a trial balloon to see how people felt about Sean Patrick Maloney, who lost his congressional seat who is the reason why the Democrats lost the majority. And they're saying, well, look what a great job he is. Let's keep him on as the triple C chair. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Isn't that amazing? Unbelievable. Is this true? Couldn't even hold his own seat. You you wrote about Tim Ryan. He ran against J.D. Vance for senator of Ohio. He lost. And you say, is this correct? Tim Ryan outspent J.D. Vance 44 million to 9 million? Can that be true? Yes. It's, yes, that is exactly true. Now, remember, 
all of these outside organizations came in and spent lots of money on behalf of of uh, of Vance to you know even it up. But it's it, it it's very very hard. It's sort of like apples and oranges, because if you're a candidate, you get really really good rates when you buy ads, and if you're not a candidate, uh, it's a it's a very very different way that you have to pay and it makes a it makes a huge difference you have to pay a lot more money than a candidate pays so by by raising tons of money compared to vance ryan had had huge advantage over him okay and it, and it didn't matter he won eight counties which are the eight counties that virtually every democrat wins and that was half the number of counties that uh uh, uh, Sherrod Brown, Brown uh, won when he he won the Senate seat. He was reelected to the Senate uh, in 2018, but he he ran full on uh, as a uh, you know someone like, let's call it, say a populist Democrat. Right. Whereas Tim Ryan couldn't decide if he was a populist Democrat or a Republican light, so he would be a little bit of both, confusing people. And not inspiring people to go out and vote for him. So right. they didn't. So he right. lost. Before you go, Diane Feinstein, uh, you write, is going to be 140 in 20. Well, she's 140 now. She'll be 180 uh, soon. Yeah. So, so in, and her term is up. You said that she can barely, you don't even know if she could walk from her seat down the hall to the bathroom, let alone run for reelection in 2024. Right. There's no chance she's running for reelection. You know, the media talks about it as though, well, she may run for reelection. Well, yeah. Or she may sprout wings and and fly over Mitch McConnell's head and clap on him. <laughs> but, you know, that's not going to happen. And she's not going to run for for office. And, you know, I have been talking to the, all of the people who are running for her seat, you know, and they're, they're, tr they're trying to be polite to her. But they're they're you know, they're hiring people already. Right. I mean, it's so got it's, 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 you know, you it starts a year from now. I mean, or no, it started already. It starts. Right. Let me run the candidates. Let me just because you write about this. Uh, Adam Schiff. Right. So Adam is running. Adam. Adam has virtually announced that he's running. He's trying to be polite. And he's saying if she doesn't run, uh, he's, and he has an immense uh, bank account for that. He he is. Uh, if I remember correctly, he's the second biggest. Uh, f a fundraiser among House Democrats after Pelosi, and he's your he's your congressperson. You used to not yeah. like you used to not like him, but now you seem to have softened. He, yeah, I, I mean, I, I've known Adam from when he was a state senator from where I live. Uh, so even before he got into Congress, I helped him financially. When he did get into Congress, I was raising money for him, and I got angry at him because he he he. You know, he joined the Blue Dogs. He voted for some awful war. I don't even remember which one it was. And, uh, you know, but yes. Uh, OK. You know, that doesn't mean I'm it doesn't mean I'm going to vote for him. It what about mean I'm Barbara Lee? His, what, what about as a person? I like him. What about Barbara Lee, who didn't vote for the awful war? She isn't she the only con right. the only Congress person, the only one who didn't I'm, with him. It was the Iraq war with her. The war that she didn't uh uh, vote for was the Afghan war. And she was the only member of Congress who didn't vote for that war. Right. The thing is, and she her, was right. And I, she was I, right. I have, yes. I have gone to through so many 
almost running for this and almost running for that. And in the end, she never runs. She doesn't have a good political operation to, to back her up. She's great. She's wonderful. I love her as a person. She's a wonderful woman. I love her, her politics. But she's not going to run. You know, she, she's out. You know, her name is out there now. She's kind of what she's kind of hoping is that uh, Feinstein doesn't complete her term and that uh, Newsom appoints appoints her to the job. That's what that's what she's hoping. Right. She isn't going to run. The, the The real candidates are Adam and Katie Porter, Katie Porter and Ro Connor and, and uh, Antonio Villaraigosa. Those are those. Now, there may be others who run, too, but Villaraigosa has already been getting a lot of the potential candidates to say they'll back him. He was the like, mayor like him, mayor of Los Angeles. He was the mayor of Los Angeles. Right. Yes. And he was also the, the speaker of the uh, state assembly uh, at one point before that. He, he's, he, you know, he has a quite a resume, but uh, he has a lot. He has also like a, a, a terrible reputation on some level. Uh, and I, I don't I don't see him being able to win but remember what's gonna we're in california so the primary is going to result in two democrats so the general election is going to be a democrat versus democrat so generally if people think adam will be will have one of those slots so who's going to have the other slot is it going to be katie porter is it going to be rocana will it be antonio and the antonio's people are telling me antonio's got it in the bag because of uh, identity politics, he's the he's the Hispanic in the race. But Katie of, Porter, everybody, you you got me, Katie Porter. She came on the show when she was running. <laughs> Don't you love Katie Porter? I absolutely love Katie Porter. Of all love of Katie. them, she's great. Of all yes, of them, uh, well, uh, well, I'm I'm close with Roe as well. But 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 you know, I, I certainly. Think that Katie is is uh, would be like a, an unbelievably great senator. Brokana is trading tens of millions of dollars in stock each year. I know it's his wife's. He, no, he, it's his, his wife is. He isn't. Well, you he know, really, he really isn't. And I don't know about tens of millions either. Oh, but, but yes, whatever. Look, there's a lot of people who feel that exactly what you just expressed about Roe. And, and, and I think it's going to hold him back. I, I agree with you. I happen to think that, Ro, you know, I've known Roe for a really long time and I feel he's an honest guy. I don't feel he's a, he's crooked. But should there just be a rule before you go? If you're running for state senator, you can't be worth more than you should. have. <laughs> you should. Have, I, I say I, I say I more debt. I want I, like you have more credit card debt then you have savings. Then you have my vote. Why can't that? Why can't that be a rule to, to, in the Democratic? It is a rule. It's a, it, that's the David Feldman rule. That that should be the rule. You, Let me you, see what you, you're worth. And if if you owe, and, you, and then you vote for them. Yeah. Howie, great. It won't hold up in the Supreme Court. Great, great job. Everybody should read Howie Klein over Down with Tyranny. It is the best. It is the. It's I call it a salacious civics class. Uh, you, well, thank you. Yeah, it's the best. It really is. And read them over down with tyranny. And uh, Tuesday in Georgia, we're not going to be treated to Herschel Walker. 
right? Is that yeah? We won't have him to kick around anymore. I have speaking about salacious. I have such a great salacious story, but it is so so filthy and incriminating that I don't know how I'm going to tell it. I want to. I certainly will tell it in my memoir, but I don't know if I can tell it before then. It, 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 but you know, I'm getting this information, amazing information on Republicans from a Republican staffer. Why would a Republican staffer give me information? And it was because it was someone I screwed. I, I don't mean screwed over. I, I mean screwed. And, right. and the story, the story is so great. It is so it's such an amazing story, and it goes back, you know, years and years and years and years, many many years. And uh, and and I really want to tell the story about, but it, it's so graphic. It's like so unbelievably graphic, and there's no way to tell the story without the graphic part. I although I thought like I can do two versions. I can do like a non-graphic part, which is going to be just boring, and then the graphic part. Only read it if you want the graphic part. <laughs> anyway, I've got to figure that out. I'm writing a memoir, as you know. Yes, and I want to hear that story. And next week we'll go over. <laughs> what was the final score on, on against Cook? Twelve to two. You beat. I beat them twelve to two. Yes. Very good. I love you, Howie. You're the best. Everybody, read down with tyranny. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, David. Thank you. That's Howie Klein from Down with Tyranny. Read him every day over at Down with Tyranny. Have your kids read it. It, it. It's a great introduction to civics, what's going on in Washington, D.C. And it's, you know, it has a gossipy feel to it. It's both highbrow and ultra highbrow. If you enjoyed this portion of the David Feldman show, please subscribe to the channel. Hit the like button. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Thank you, Howie.